More questions than answers, more confusion than clarity. Welcome everyone to another Mere Mortals book review session, an episode that we have here today. My name is Karen. I do these for those who want to transcend beyond their own mere mortality to dive deeper into certain topics, to gain the knowledge, the info that there is out there in the universe. But I'm not sure you're really going to find it in this book, but perhaps you will. It is The Question Concerning Technology and Other Essays by Martin Heidegger. This book was originally published in 1954 and it's about 180 pages in length. So it's not super, super thick. It was written in German and the version I have was translated and with an introduction by William Lovett. And it's obviously a work of philosophy concerning technology. So it's talking about technology in the sense of what is this thing? What is this evolution of moving forward and whatnot? It is split into three parts and there are five sections in total. So we have part one, which is the question concerning technology and the turning Part two, the word of niche, God is dead. And part three, the age of the world picture and science and reflection. The book is mostly meandering in a way. So he's just talking about his thoughts. I didn't find any real structure in it. There was no subtitles or sub chapters or things like that. And the only real parts were that were more structured were his deconstruction. So the structure of deconstruction. Uh, of niche which was where he was analyzing some of niche's words particularly the god is dead sort of philosophy and then applying that to this question concerning technology as well so it's not all solely about technology it does have the other essays but that i would say is the large portion of it a quick note on the author in this text martin heidegger was born in 1889 and died in 1976 so he lived a fairly long time and he was renowned as one of the greatest philosophers of the 20th century his works were primarily focused upon phenomenology, hermeneutics, and existentialism. So <laughs> I barely even know what some of those words are, but very well, he got deep into the topics of what is everything, I guess. This work in particular was composed actually about five years before it was produced as a text and it was composed as lectures. So he was lecturing about these essays in 1949 and then it was translated into a book his most famous work is known as being and time and that is a hefty volume from what i've heard okay let's dive onto the first theme and it is question mark question mark question mark I honestly had no idea what this book was about. I did read as much as I could. I spent probably a good four to five hours, six hours maybe, really trying to dive in and read this. And that is normally sufficient for a book of this page length, 180 pages, doesn't take that long. But it was just incomprehensible. I had no idea what he was trying to say. I'm going to read out a, a passage here, and this is really emblematic of exactly the type of style of his writing and if you can decipher this then you are a smarter person than myself so we'll jump into it has man hitherto sufficiently considered in what mode the being of what is has meanwhile appeared that's just one sentence there people has man hitherto assured himself as to whether his essence has the maturity and strength to correspond to the claim of that being or does man hitherto simply get along with the help of expedience and detours that drive him away ever anew from experiencing that which is and this is just a small passage in a long long passage of words and things that just do not make sense and 
maybe there are sense making to people. Maybe you do need some sufficient reading beforehand. The only parts of this book I really understand were the parts where he was actually just quoting Nietzsche. And I was going, oh, Frederick Nietzsche. I can understand what Nietzsche is saying here. Like his types of words, the structures that he used, the sentences, the way that it's set out. I can understand these things. And then uh, Heidegger will start deconstructing what Nietzsche said. And once again, I'm completely lost. It was just incomprehensible, I think, is the perfect word to sum up this book for me. So in terms of themes, I really have no idea. He did have stuff about standing reserve and in-framing. I saw uh, some concepts and some words pop up constantly. And there's plenty of footnotes in this book as well from the translator. But I just really didn't get any of what he was trying to say. Okay, so let's jump straight onto the observations and takeaways. And I think I'll spend this section trying to discuss why maybe I didn't understand this and maybe some suggestions, some tips, some helpful hints that might make it possible for other people to understand. And I'll first start off with something I always talk about. If it's composed primarily as audio and then translated to text or butchered into a text format, I really feel it doesn't work that way. So maybe this would work better if it was spoken aloud in a audio type format. So maybe even listening to the audio version of this could help. That's probably one suggestion. Another is obviously it was translated from German and he uses quite a lot of German words that he sort of makes up in a way. So it's almost like if I was trying to deconstruct parts of English words. So for example, we always use um, ill or un before words, unnecessary, illiterate, things like that. And he would do the same thing with German and sort of construct these new words by using these root causes that he found in the German stuff. So for example, he would use N-framing, which was the translation from Gestell, which was something I believe he created, but he would use this from other words like Gestellen and, and things like that. So the German aspect of this obviously doesn't help. It's written originally in German. When you're translating from another language to English or to any other language, really, there is going to be something lost in translation, no matter how hard you try. Most of the time, this is okay, but maybe this time it wasn't okay. The actually most interesting part of the book that I found was a lot of the footnotes that the translator had written where he was explaining, ah, okay, desinvasist. So what does that mean? And why is this particularly significant? Why was the verb schicken and how is this related to geschick? Which, and how is that related to a geschick there, which is history? All of these sort of mini little things add notes, these footnotes, I think do contribute. So if you're interested in languages as well, I would say this is a, a more helpful book. You, you'll be more, you probably need to be interested in languages to understand this book, because if you're not, if you don't care about German, if you don't care about root words and the types of, you know, geometry of the words, the way that the uh, language works and the hidden behind the scenes grammar and things like that, I think you're really going to struggle with this. Another thought is that maybe Heidegger made his works, his words intentionally obscure, that he put it this way so that he would filter out people who would not be willing to put in the time and the effort to maybe deconstruct sentence by sentence. I know that I wasn't doing that. I was trying to read it more in the terms of like, okay, what are your what is your general thesis? What are you trying to get from here? Another is that maybe he just writes this way in general. So here's a little part of the introduction from the, uh, not the narrator, the translator. And this explains a little bit. So he says, 
Heidegger has a poet's ear for language and often writes in a poetic way. For him, the proper function of words is not to stand for, to signify, rather words point to something beyond themselves. They are translucent bearers of meaning. To name a thing is to summon it, to call it toward one. Heidegger's words are rich in connotation. Once inclined to invent words to carry needed meanings, he has more recently become concerned with the rehabilitation of language, with the restoring of its original, now obliterated force. So he's also trying to do other things as well. He's not trying to communicate clearly and whatnot. He's actually trying to reconstruct the language in which he's using to convey more thoughts, maybe some abstract principles and things like that. So maybe you also need to understand his prior works. Maybe it's required to read another three of his books to get an understanding of the way his head works, his mind works, the types of things he talks about, and then you can come into this and understand. But for me, all in all, I just had no idea what was going on. And so that's my little thoughts on maybe why I didn't understand what was going on in this book. So to summarize, I have no idea what this book was about. I give major props, major kudos to anyone who can decipher it to gain some meaning, something interesting from this. But for me, it was a no-go. I'm going to give it a 2 out of 10, not because I disliked it or uh, or I hated the ideas or anything. It was simply, I just didn't know. I had no idea. So will I bother to spend more time reading his other works, such as Being in Time? I've got to be honest, reading this makes me think no. I spent quite a few hours and I really have nothing to show for it other than a lousy book review because I can't add anything to the world. I can't put more things out there and say, oh, this is my interpretation of this and whatnot. So all in all, the question concerning technology and other essays by Martin Heidegger, a two out of 10, um, good luck. And so there we go, my mere mortalites. Thank you for joining me to this part of the audio. It was a relatively short one today and I uh, apologize for not being able to add too much to your own learning knowledge and wisdom with this one, but I did have to review the book for the review's sake and just say what I thought about it. What I would really like to know is, have you read any of Martin Heidegger's works? Have you found it decipherable? And if so, what do you think I was missing? Why couldn't I understand this? The best way to do that would be to send me a boostergram. So if you go on to newpodcastapps.com, find one which has value written in, and you are then able to add some crypto money onto there, in particular Bitcoin, and send through a message that would really, really be appreciated. It's a real direct way of getting in communication with me. I read out the messages at the end of the month. And yeah, it's just a really fun way and I of, of communicating with me and also adding more to what I'm trying to do here to learn more about books and to provide good value back by deconstructing them and adding some of my own insights into that. So uh, some good apps to recommend. Fountain.fm is a particularly good one. I've chatted with the developer Oscar Murray and he is uh, very interested in making the best podcasting app possible. So it's hard to go wrong with that suggestion right there. And other than that, I really hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Karen out.